Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Terra Incognita, the adventure podcast and the Rorima Expedition special features. You know, Rorima is where Arthur Conan Doyle's famous book, The Lost Worlds, is set. And you can totally imagine a dinosaur appearing. A remote location expedition is an exceptionally complex thing to organize and run. The prow is like the feature of the wall, just like... Only 3% of the Earth's surface is covered in rainforest. Uh, it's one of those trips that doesn't, doesn't kind of seem real. I've never done a big wall before and I've always kind of wanted to, but it's like finding a decent partner or team. In conversation, I only catch about half the words. <laughs> I'm not sure if I understand the Guyanese or the British better. <laughs> I've just been worrying about the snakes and the anacondas and the river crossings. And I'm kind of looking forward to it being hard in a way, just like a bit of an endurance test and see how I do. There are so few areas in the world like this forest that we're going into. Like my whole life in a way has been moving towards being able to do expeditions such as these. Welcome to Terra Incognita, the adventure podcast, and the second episode of our Rorima Expedition feature series. I'm currently stood in the middle of a jungle. There's probably a lot of background noise, so apologies in advance for that. I think we've got 11 porters with us and the full expedition team, and we're currently deep in the heart of the Amazon rainforest, walking towards our objective. Um, the plane drop and the parachute loads from the bags went really well. Um, Berghaus and Leo should have a film now on their social media channels on Instagram uh, that we sent back from the jungle the other day uh, that shows you a little bit about how the parachute drop went. It was incredibly tense, um, you know, no room for jokes or humour in those moments and quite difficult to film as well, but we did get some good stuff. Um, the parachutes, because they've got really long jungle lines on them, looked like they opened really late, so it was a very heart in the mouth five seconds whilst we waited for the canopies to open. And now we're on our second day of jungle trekking and today what we're going to do is a walking podcast with Waldo. So I'm going to be chatting to him as we trek through the jungle. Now this environment is, I mean it's, it's pure wilderness, there are trees everywhere, there's snakes and spiders, we've seen all sorts of wildlife, stuff that you don't really want to go near. Um, so we are going to be looking down at our feet a lot, we're climbing over logs, we're currently debating um, at the edge of a river crossing whether we're going to wade through and get wet feet or walk across a really sketchy log that is quite high up and looks quite slippery and if you fall in you're going into deep water. Um, the guys are weighing that up right now and the first time we hear from Waldo we're going to ask him what the plan is. What's the plan? Right okay so we just stopped for a bit of lunch, an early lunch. We're having quite chilled days on these first few days in the forest just to make it more pleasant for everybody. 
which it is. We've had a beautiful day's trek into the first part of the rainforest and uh, about two kilometres ago down the trail the forest started to seem a bit noticeably older, bigger trees, just a slight change in vegetation that indicates that we're in a slightly older forest which is cool and the fact that we've hiked here from an airstrip in the middle of the rainforest means we're, we're pretty deep in now. So we've just stopped for a bite to eat um, and now we're going to press on to the next river which is about uh, maybe an hour's walk away and um, we've been balancing across logs and trying to keep our feet dry up until now but um, a top tip for the rainforest is just commit <laughs> get in there get wet get covered in mud reach the saturation point and then you're not going to be worried about walking through and so with this crossing what are our options and so with this crossing with this crossing we've got a couple of guides have started making a little bridge which uh, is a fallen tree across the river uh, it's about two meters up and the water is not too deep uh, so Wilson and Leo and Anna are looking at the <laughs> scoping out balancing across this log and I am walking <laughs> through the river you can hear that I suppose the only thing not waterproof for me is this microphone I don't like the idea of walking across that bit of I might just wade through it and it looks shin deep yeah exactly well this is a bit more than shin deep let's try it out oh yeah we're in there we go oh, so up to your knees it's good oh, so Waldo's now up to his thighs in this really clear water crossing through the through the river really it's pretty wild there's a couple of porters on the other side and yeah Anna and Leo are deciding whether or not they're going to risk it personally I'm just going wet feet in fact I'm up to my uh, ankles right now <laughs> first time we've had wet feet although yesterday we went swimming in our clothes just to wash our bodies wash our clothes and keep everything dry uh, sorry um get everything wet and give it a proper wash and then it all dries out super fast I'm now balancing slackline style with all of my gear on <laughs> and taking a step back because I cannot commit to that I'm just going to go deep I think oh, your so boots I'm, are wet you're an all-terrain vehicle Matt I'm currently uh, I've got a camera on my chest and a bag full of lenses a laptop a hard drive and everything I need to bring you this content so the consequences are really serious for falling in here but it's looking good and I am across the river, just about. You can probably hear the splashing and the wading now. I can stand in the water and hold your hand if you want, Leo. <laughs> I was going to say, we should film it. Yeah. Oh, here comes Wilson. He's going to stack it. Oh, look, Leo's so, waiting for him. It's a battle, a log battle, sword fight on the log. <laughs> one of the porters is <laughs> on the middle on of the log right now with a giant backpack on passing Wilson a big stick to help him cross the river and we're the debate at the minute between Leo and it's up to you if you go I'll shoot it okay so Leo's going to cross the river with Anna and I'm going to film it from in the water all this nice and dry so while we do this, and while I film this, can you just describe the last couple of days and what we've seen and what we've done? Yeah, sure thing. While you're filming? Yeah. Yeah? Um, 
the last couple of days it's been a wild ride, an awesome start to the expedition. I think starting by pushing all our bags out of an airplane over the rainforest kind of made it that much more like James Bond. And now we're a day's hike into the forest. Um, we've actually been going at a relatively quick pace considering how chilled it's been, but um, that's what comes when you're prepared and you've got a, a super fit and able team. Um, and so we landed after dropping the bags out in a, in a place called Philippi, which is a village right in the middle of the rainforest. Oh, here comes Leo. Leo's hiking across the log. <laughs> Getting some advice of just a walk in the water. How's it going, Wilson? You got dry feet. Good, dry feet. Slack liner. Log liner. Log liner. Oh, oh. <laughs> Major faff almost went in. Alright, now Hannah's up. Now we're filming Anna crossing this super sketchy log. Oh, she's committed. Yes. <laughs> nice, you done, Anna? Okay, and that's that done. Camera bag in the chest pack. I'm now wet up to my thighs, basically. But it's not too bad, it's quite refreshing, actually. Well done. We'll hang out at the back if that's alright. Hang out at the back, yeah. Alright, cool kids. Cool kids in the back of the bus. It's so much nicer in a forest, isn't it? Yeah. The minute you've got a bit of tree cover and full on jungle ecosystem around you, the temperatures are just totally regulated. Yeah, it's very different to walking through that open ground yesterday where we were sweating buckets. And yeah. That's the last of the nice porters. Actually, that's our guide, who's also called Leo. <laughs> Walking past us now, Dan's shoulder in his camera bag, having just filmed Anna crossing the river. Clipped his, oh look at that, shooting from the hip. <laughs> Coolest camera man in the world. Okay Edward, after you. Look at these Warashis. Yeah, can you explain what they are? It's amazing, so their backpack system is usually, oh, oh he's got it. <laughs> Entirely made of wood, like a wooden rectangular frame, lashed together with, is this rattan? Mm -hmm. Bush rope. Bush rope. What's the name of that plant? <laughs> Bush rope. Village string. And this here, is this rattan? The plant? Nevi. 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 Like this. Ah. So Waldo's looking at these tiny little thin vines. They're probably the width of a piece of spaghetti. Okay, we're ready. Me and Matt will stay at the back. So Waldo's just helping one of the porters lift his warashi onto his back now. These guys are carrying between 20 and 25 kilos each in these yeah, rattan um, vine-weaved backpacks with these leather straps, if they've got them. Otherwise, they're using some other kind of jungle cord. So Waldo, can you just describe what we're walking through so we are now walking through a tropical forest in Guyana um, it's not really classed as the Amazon rainforest proper um, because of the surrounding geography it's kind of cut off from 
from most of the um, <clears throat> the core of the Amazon rainforest, um, but technically it is it's Amazonia. Um, the rainforest is sort of your classic classic rainforest, really. Um, not all tropical forest is classed as rainforest, um, but here it is. Uh, we're here um, in one of the dry seasons. There's like one sort of shorter dry season through November into December. Um, and we're here now, so it's actually a lot drier than many other times of the year, which is really nice. It's much more pleasant. The ground's a lot harder, easier to walk on. Um, but the ground is just, it's got this, it's hard to explain really, it's just this wild mass of covering of sticks and leaves and dead stuff and living stuff and insects and buttress roots and fungi. And just walking along, picking out a multitude of different legumes, like these bean looking seed pods and loads of other orange fruits and green fruits and blue fruits and occasionally different flowers just poking through. Oh, and now we're just stepping down onto this really dry riverbed, sandy riverbed, with no water in it. Wow, it is dry at the moment. Nice. And what about the trees around us? So the trees have started to get a bit a bit bigger now. Um, although it looks like a really pristine forest when we got into it, it was actually fairly disturbed because all the trees were quite young. The demographic wasn't wasn't that varied. Um, but now the buttress roots and the stilt roots of these bigger trees are spreading out a lot further. They're basically basically a lot wider and taller, which means they're a bit older. And uh, once you get an old forest, all the vegetation in it and all the life in it has had time to kind of find its place and balance itself out and get into the rhythm of the forest. So these are really cool, like the demographic of tree species. You've got all these saplings that come up to your ankles and then slightly big ones up to your knees and everything in between up to these 40, 50 meter trees, which are probably the height of the biggest ones around here. Although we haven't yet stumbled across any true giants in the forest. Hopefully we'll see a couple of them further in. Um, these trees are the, the silk cottonwoods, uh, the sabre tree, sabre pentandra. And they've got a really interesting fruit that's filled with this fluffy cotton wool stuff that they used to pack life jackets with back in the day. It's really buoyant. Um, it's really good for starting fires. Um, yeah, and there's also matamba trees, which are very different to the sabres. They've got red flaking bark, and uh, they don't flare out as much at the bottom, which we call buttressing. To create these buttress roots, they're more like a kind of cedar, a cedar tree. As we, well, we've got actually different types of cedar over here, but nothing like the cedars we've got in the UK. But the diversity is the thing that stands out most to me. Just complete myriad of different shaped leaves and different coloured leaves and what's this uh, and this is the the jungle rope yeah. what would you call it jungle the name in your language in akuwa wama wakwama 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 strong stuff eh that's about the about the width of a pencil yeah it's about the width of a pencil and this is mamuri they call it mamu mamuri 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 in our dialect Ah. In our language. Mamuni. Uh, the, the other one we call Nibi. Nibi. Is coming in our 
Nibi Akami. Akami. Wow. And this one is the, the same the same vine we're using for Warshi. Wow. So you split it? Yeah. You split it into strips? Wow. So who you're hearing from there is Edward, who's one of our older and more knowledgeable porters. And there's a good chance you'll be hearing a bit more about him a little bit later in the trip. Um, Waldo, can you talk a bit about how we're navigating in the trail that we're using? Sure thing. So uh, we're going to pick up the pace a bit here because there's so many things to distract you in this forest to keep looking at them and then you look ahead and everyone's gone on. So it's really important, first and foremost, to keep eyes on the people in front of you because in a forest like this you can be three meters away from the trail and if you get disorientated there's no telling where that trail is and you could be totally lost so keeping visual on the people in front is super important um, some of the local guides from Philippi uh, actually went ahead of us um, to check the trail and make sure they're savvy on the route before they guide us on it um, and they've made this trail or hiked this trail rather that goes from Philippi all the way probably about 50k to the designated camp which is where we dropped our bags um, at the base of Mount Rima. Um and this trail is if you're tuned into it you can you can spot it but it'd be very hard to miss it like just back there we walked across an open riverbed if you step onto that and there's no footprints and you don't find the right trail or a trail on the other side of the river you can very easily just wander off into the forest um, so what we're doing we are absolutely reliant on these Amerindians helping us and showing us the way um, but to give ourselves sort of a good backup we've, we're using multiple GPS devices um, which basically track exactly where you walk and they give you a heading and a bearing so at any point if we need to turn around and get back to a clearing for example for a helicopter landing zone or if we need to get back to Philippi for whatever reason we can set these GPS's and set them to track back we just follow the trail back through the forest but don't ever rely 100% on a GPS device because especially in a rainforest they can drop out of signal we're walking under a really dense canopy um, and when those leaves get wet above us it really distorts the GPS signal and um, it can be very difficult to get GPS strength and on top of that we are also walking into the land of giant tapuis these big flat top mountains deep in the rainforest so when you've got steep cliffs all around you and wet leaves above you that can limit it even further um, so what we're doing, we're just kind of keeping mental notes of the trail and compass bearings so we know roughly which way we're going from Philippi um, but our absolute first and foremost backstop is just relying on these local guys having enough of them about us you know the forest and know the route you can help us if we do need to navigate backwards because it would be pretty spicy having to turn around and follow this little GPS line now and although we're only a day and a half to hike into the forest it feels pretty deep and um, when we're done with walking for the day what do you look for in a jungle camp? so when we're done with walking um, obviously the thing we need most is water 
Um, and we're getting into such a remote area of forest here that the water is actually really clean, really nice to drink. And also, after a day's hiking, you're covered in sweat and grime, and there's nothing better than just to jump into a jungle river and have a wash. And what I do is just get in fully clothed, basically have a normal shower but with your clothes on, and take your clothes off, dry them out, rinse them, dry yourself and put your clothes back on again. <laughs> and you're good to go. It's kind of a, a, a best way, in my opinion, to, to live in a forest is just to embrace it from the moment you set forth in it. So get as wet and as muddy as you like and just try and get clean in the evenings. So when we stop, what we're going to look for is a nice river and somewhere to bathe and fill up our drinking water. Um, and we're actually using hammocks for our camp. So they're pretty quick and easy to rig and it means we don't have to clear huge areas of rainforest or make beds out of sticks or chop down any saplings. We can just clear little gaps for our Hennessy's and minor forest disturbance like that has basically zero impact on the forest as a whole. There's so much fallen dead stuff and decaying stuff all over the floor that if it cuts, gets cut down and drops in small quantities, it just rots away and feeds, feeds the rest of the forest. It's a circle of life, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and can you talk a bit about the systems that you and Leo have developed for camp life? Um, so the system we've got for this expedition is super, super streamlined. We've spent the last few days kind of maximum faff, checking everything, sorting everything, making sure we know which bags everything are in. Um, making sure we don't have too much or too little of anything. Um, and now, now that we're in the forest, everything's packed up, everybody's got their loads. We are super streamlined. We've got, in my opinion, a very, very sweet jungle setup. So, first of all, we've got the bags and the carrying systems. We use dry bags, these little waterproof bags for everything. Um, and it means if everything's in a dry bag, then first of all everything will stay dry, secondly a bag floats um, and it's just a nice way to be able to be organised. Um, the sleeping systems and the camp systems, we've got a couple of tarpaulins, a couple of machetes, making tables or benches if we need to. And Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hammocks and the Hennessy hammocks that we're using. I've spent a large part of my life living out of Hennessy hammocks. And um, they're like the hotel of hammocks, really. They're super, super comfortable. You kind of set them up straight between two, two, two trees, so you only need two anchors on each side, but you lie kind of more across it. So they've got this asymmetric design and it, actually the fabric tensions and such a way, it holds you pretty flat and 
they're very comfortable and they've got a built-in fly net and, and rain sheet over the top so um they look quite futuristic actually little, little future sleeping pods but so far everybody's sleeping really well which is the main thing um and on top of that we've got cooking we've got one main stove we've got another stove that we dropped in with the bags um we've got a little backup smaller stove just in case um and essentially all we're doing with that is boiling water um now rather than taking a load of rice with us uh we've been fortunate enough, fortunate enough um to be able to get a load of food expedition food where you basically pour hot water in the bag and it heats it up you wait 15 minutes and then you're good to go you've got a number of things on the menu um but it's pretty tasty and it just enables us to cook with minimal fat and uh, get our calories in and then for the day we've got nuts and biscuits and and um little packets of haribo my favorite most important jungle food um and we're hoping at some point we'll be able to swap a bit of that for some some fish or some jungle food these guys know how to find but yeah i mean look, <clears throat> it's no simple thing really spending a, a long time in a rainforest for small trips you know a week or two weeks doesn't really matter so much it doesn't matter if you get bad blisters or cuts or anything like that because you can just smash it out and if infection sets in you'll be back in a nice hospital in england by the time it's a remote problem um but part of the issue here is that we're here for so long that little things can become very big things over the duration of the expedition um so it's very important that the way we approach this expedition is a lot more considered a lot more paced and we're putting the effort in to make sure that we look after ourselves and each other stay hydrated don't want any headaches and not get ill or injured cool and um, yeah one one more thing on that is it's cool doing this this trip with leo because leo's got a lot of experience in cold places and, and mountains and he's really dialed in his sort of expedition systems um and he's sort of developed his own way of doing everything he's just taken little ideas and techniques from all these different mentors he's had over the years and <clears throat> he's just come up with this incredibly incredibly lightweight it's all about the grams but also super efficient and uh, and solid and reliable system uh, which covers parts of cooking sleeping low carrying navigation and uh it's been really good sharing my experience and my jungle experience with him you know being able to offer little advice of things that i do and um leo's super open-minded and sort of considers everything and just kind of playing with some of the, these ideas um we've now developed the systems that we're using now uh which are, are great really happy about them hey so that it, i mean it leads well into what i was going to ask you which is um you know the porters are obviously traveling with us and they become a critical part of our team and we all become one big unit can you talk about um the interaction you have with them and what you learn from them and they learn from you yeah for sure so obviously the, we've got right now carrying these loads and we've got more guides and porters than we do expedition team members um so they make up a huge part of this expedition 
Um, ah, watch out for spikes. Um, <clears throat> and it's nice on a trip like this where our objective is to climb this big scary mountain, but we're also here just to revel in the adventure of it really, spend time in the forest. And, and what makes it particularly special for me is when you're with people like this who know about the forest and know the little tips and tricks and just understand it in a in a way that is really hard to achieve unless you're born and raised in the rainforest. And it's really nice to see that visible connection with all the plants and the wildlife around and um and just constantly learning really like there's just like for example back then when they were showing us the, the vines they used for the warashis you've probably seen that there's a myriad of different vines in this forest some of them just snap like that and some of them are a lot stronger and so that is knowledge that's probably taken thousands of years to evolve and then be passed down through generations you know exactly which vine to use for what there's another vine that we spotted earlier above the river that they use for fishing so they'll break the vine up and smash it around in a, in a uh, slower flowing part of the river and any fish in that little bend will just float to the surface poisoned by the, uh, the sap that comes out of the vine and there's another vine that you can chop and get water out of. So, <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. And, um, it's nice to be with people that know about it. So you can just constantly, constantly learn. It's really interesting. On the scale of things, there's not a lot you can really teach these guys, but little things like bringing my silky saw out to the rainforest. That always goes down a treat just because it's, it cuts so much faster than most saws that you come across. And, um, and little ways of tying string and rigging hammocks. That sometimes they haven't seen before which is nice to show but uh yeah it's a full-on exchange of knowledge really and um it's nice it's nice sharing this adventure yeah and can you talk about the table and chairs last night and the, how long it took and what they did <laughs> yeah so we we got to camp last night and usually on a hike like this you don't need to spend that much time pimping your camp really you can just rig your hammocks and, and go to bed but it really does make a difference just for those few hours in the evening where you've got somewhere to sit and somewhere to stay dry if it starts raining and um somewhere just to chat really and get your thoughts together so when we got to camp we asked the the team of guides if they could make us maybe a table and chairs and clear a little area <clears throat> it took them all of about 20 minutes to knock up this really solid table and two little benches either side of it and uh yeah it's nice and how do you think the team's getting on our team oh like amazing really 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 well like stoked everybody's got smiles on their faces <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts once the rain kicks in um yeah no i mean from i kind of knew like yourself and, and dan would be fine with it even though you haven't got a huge amount of jungle experience you've, you've done enough adventure to know the sort of method behind the madness um and wilson's you know he's always going to be solid he's a good guy to have around you wherever you are really even though he's never been in a proper rainforest before um but it's more of like the attitude and what's been really cool to see is anna she just seems like this super sweet and, and quiet and 
sort of delicate little flower almost when you first meet her. But she just somehow manages to continue that vibe and be real hardcore. <laughs> just do everything and keep up with everybody. And yes. Um, explain think, that. Explain I think that she's really whinged badly. less than any of us actually. Yeah. And I you and I Anna's are carrying probably, small injuries, and she's just soldiering yeah. on. And, and Ganna's doing really well actually. She's just yeah. totally on it. <laughs> really good attitude. Smile all day long. And on top of that, being told persistently, <laughs> hour in, hour out, oh, this is how you do this. This is how you do that thing. And you should do this like this because this is better. And don't do it like this. <laughs> that constant bombardment of information can, can get a bit much for some people, but she's just listens and quietly takes it in and, and cracks on. And um, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely no dramas at all with Anna. It's really cool to have her here. And what's the plan for the next few days then? Ah, uh, so. Uh, it's kind of hard to gleam exactly where we're going to be camping each day because I think these guys are still getting a measure of our pace and we obviously don't know the trail at all. Um, so the plan is to reach another river, which we should reach in the next half an hour, 20 minutes from what we've gathered. Um, once we get to that river, we'll try and establish where they think the next river is or the next best campsite um, and then either fill up water there and press on um, or take a little drink and walk without water to the next river and fill up there um, but basically basically the plan's pretty straightforward we just walk until we find somewhere nice to camp and put our hammocks up chill out and go to bed <laughs> and then get up and repeat um, but I think today is all along flat. Uh, tomorrow, I think it's going to start kicking up a bit. And with these packs on, the minute you start walking up here, it slows everything down quite dramatically. Um, and you really start to feel the humidity. So I expect progress will slow slightly in terms of kilometers covered per day. Um, but we're off to a really, really good start. And I think as long as we, we're not too lenient with time, we just crack on as we are doing. We're going to be setting ourselves up for the maximum amount of time we can get on the wall, which is going to be key, I think, for this expedition, because if we get a couple of big storms or bad weather, it's going to set us back a bit. Um, so we want to be as in, we want to get there in as good a time as possible, really, without knackering ourselves or having an epic in the, in the forest. Um, so, so far it's going well. What's the plan for finding the bags? So the plan for finding the bags is to hike to the camp that's been made for us at the end of this trail, uh, which hopefully is at the site of the landslide, um, which is just sort of climbers left of the prow and down the lower cliffs and slabs. Um, there's a big area of the forest which has kind of slipped away and there's this big scar through the forest that we saw from the aeroplane. Um, so hopefully these guys have made a camp there and that shouldn't be too far away from where our bags are, which are just down from the landslip on another little sort of clearing area, rocky riverbed by the looks of things that's about 100 metres wide. Um, so I guess once we get to the camp, we're going to have to just get our bearings um, and hopefully it won't be too hard to locate this lower clearing. And from there, We've got one bag that we estimate 
to be like within 10 or 20 meters of the clearing and hopefully the strobe light and the siren still going off on it and we've also got them fitted with these transceivers that Leo's uh, personal mad scientist has made for us um, so I think if we can find that first bag that should give us a good orientation for the other the other three bags um, but yeah I mean <laughs> still up in the air at this point Matt <laughs> yeah it is and if you got your head wrapped round what happens between um, that scar where the bags are and the base of the wall yeah so that's when the fun begins basically um, once we find the bags we're going to have to get them all into the same area which will probably be in that clearing um, and I think we're going to just rig a bit of a bit of a bush camp there kind of bed in a bit because we're going to have to unpack everything essentially um, double check the food quantities that we want to take up and where we want to position them um, get all the climbing gear out and then we're going to start load carrying from that camp up to the toe of Roraima um, and see how far we get until the mountain starts steepening up and it no longer becomes walking territory and at that point which unfortunately by all accounts I think is going to be fairly low down we're going to have to start rigging ropes and scrambling and find a way to get all of our equipment which is a lot of equipment up over the slabs this kind of jungle vegetation covered slabs and rock faces up to the prow proper which uh, I'm not quite sure how high up it is maybe 2,000 feet of elevation it's, uh, it's going to be a long old way um, and that is going to eat a huge chunk of our time up and personally I think it could even take you know, five six days maybe even a week to get everything we need up there but it all depends on how many of these boys are happy helping us which will involve getting a harness on and using ascenders um, which we can show them how to do and supervise them with it um, but if we can get lots of people helping out with that it will go a lot quicker if not then it's only going to be the six of us which may take some time yeah that would really suck yeah but it is what it is right exactly exactly and we've we've got the time for it we factored that into the into the plan which is why this is such a long trip <laughs> yeah i mean it's almost like you couldn't well obviously this is a climbing expedition but it's so much more than that yeah exactly i mean just doing a track like this this many miles through a forest is quite a major feat in itself but then to get to the other side be in good enough shape to climb and have all the equipment to climb a big big tapui it's, uh, it's quite a challenge yeah and how do you feel about taking one of these local guys up the wall yeah i mean i would love to um i'd love to but there's many factors that it kind of depends on their ability and whether they're up for it or not whether they want to um and then just i guess once we start rigging camps and fixing ropes and up to the first portal edge camp and getting our head around the whole the whole wall then might be something that we can we can manage relatively straightforward but yeah i'd love to i think it's a brilliant idea yeah see what happens i guess yeah see what happens wow oh, it's so nice when you stop 
Yeah, so we pick up on the sounds of the forest and the different alarm calls from the birds and the cicadas. Really peaceful. Yeah, I remember walking in single file like this, often there's silence and you can just hear your footprints in front of you and the sounds of the forest behind, which for someone like me who's never experienced it is wild. Exactly. So what's going through your head as you walk through a place like this? Um, first of all, on a trip like this, being careful is the most important operational safeguard. So constantly doing things to try and limit the chances of injury or anything bad happening. And the first backstop for that is just being careful. So you're just constantly watching your feet, checking where you're putting your hands, checking nothing's going to swing back from the person in front of you and catch you in the face. Um, and just generally moving really carefully. The next thing on my mind is just double checking all our navigation and making sure that this thing's pinging a trail as we walk um, and keeping mental tabs on helicopter landing zones and kind of where we are in regards to Philippi and Roraima. Um, and after that is hydration. So just making sure that I drink enough and also making sure that everybody around me drinks enough because by the time you've got a headache and you can't think straight it's a bit too late <laughs> it's gonna take you out of action for a few hours um yeah and then what just kind of permeates all of that is looking up every once in a while and just seeing this absolutely beautiful forest all around us right now we're walking by a, a small creek and the light's coming down in, in the gap and just lighting up that vegetation like green gold beautiful yeah. is this place changing yeah this place is definitely changing um the forest not so much unless it's being chopped down but the the settlements and the communities around it for sure um and you can't you can't stop change um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's very different to how it was 50 even 30 years ago um and just more exposure to modern ways of life really um yeah and through that you get obviously better healthcare and, and medicines um in terms of western medicines but you also get a, a sort of correlation between that and the re reduction in traditional knowledge and, and ways so yeah it's changing quite a lot the surrounding communities um, and that's something that's been happening ever since yeah, ever since the missionaries came here really um, yeah and how do you it's quite a heavy one so sorry but how do you feel about the state of rainforest globally uh, it's a really really sorry state globally um, just the sheer quantity of rainforest that has been chopped down and destroyed um, we've got a very, very small percentage of original rainforest left on this planet. And not only is it a unique habitat, but also it's far more functional as a planetary system than any newly planted or recent forest. An older forest just has much more decomposition and growth and plants growing on every single layer of the forest and it just works far far better as a, as a planetary system which 
essentially drives the winds and cools the planet and keeps the rainfall coming. So we need it, essentially, and there's no two ways about it. It's absolutely vital to the health of, of the planet as a whole. Um, so of course you can't help but feel a bit shocked and sad when you see maps indicating of just how much has been chopped down. But having said that, there is still hope. We do still have rainforest left and globally I think the awareness of the sheer importance of this habitat is coming to light more and more with every day. Um, and I think there's a lot of positive projects out there and a lot of positive things being done. Uh, Southeast Asia Rainforest Research or Rainforest uh, yeah, Research Project, SARAP, doing really awesome things in, in Borneo. Obviously where all the palm oils devastated a lot of the land around there. Um, there's a lot of good conservation projects happening, but, but yeah, it's uh, sad. Yeah, it is. I reckon I'll talk about that another time. I'm not really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've just arrived at another river crossing. Yeah, we have. So he's going to try and balance along the sketchy little branch. Right, oh. it's a good time to sign off then, eh? Yeah, should we sign off? We're signing off. Let's do it. See you next time.